0: Now the, you should be optimising and designing your experience so that you're, use, you're getting the data because you're going to actually do stuff with it and so next week you're going to get back together as a team as to, to see what worked, what didn't work, what, what do we learn and then take different actions based on the data. Okay. So it's not getting data to report it, it's getting data to use it to actually influence what you do.
1: Hello and welcome to Minto Dialogue, episode number 333. Today is Sunday, the 23rd of June, 2019. And this is with Samuel Money. Samuel runs Digital Transformation at Campbell Soup in charge of digital and e-commerce. In this talk with Samuel, we talk about the real operational challenges of driving change and digital transformation in a large consumer products company with many different brands, such as Plum Organic, Pepperidge Farm, V8, and Prego. Semmel delivers some tips and insights on what it takes under the hood to make change come about and to build the right capabilities. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss branding and all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host, and you'll find the show notes on my eponymous site, MinterDial.com. Enjoy the show. Samuel Money, great to have you on the show. Uh, we connected through a mutual friend and podcaster, and, uh, and then I got to find out about your story living in Philadelphia with something of a British accent, um, which sounded so familiar to me, um, since I have a Philadelphia past and possible links to England. Um, so you are uh, running Digital Transformation at Campbell Soup, in your own words, how do you describe yourself, Samuel?
0: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've been in the Philly area for the last four and a half years in the U.S. around just over 10 years now. I'm a born and bred Brit, so I still have the challenge of translating elevators and lifts and boots and trunks and all those types of thing and my wife does nudge me every so often and say you're becoming more american because to be understood with language you you often change without realizing subconsciously and then when i come back to the uk i do get my friends who do rib me when i say the the wrong verse verse version of the of things i they think they think in the uk to say spanner in the works whereas in the u.s it's wrench in the works so those types of things it's kind of hard to keep it all straight but the best thing coming back is whenever i drive i need to follow someone for the first 10 minutes and when i'm driving to make sure i'm not driving on the correct side of the road mm-hmm. so that that that's sort of. but yep i've been um living in the u.s now for just over 10 years and really loving it kind of a one of these people who annoying people who claims to be a global citizen because i left the uk almost 15 years ago so spent a couple of years in switzerland working in a global role for the um, Gillette and P&G brands, and then spent three years, in, just over three years in Germany, actually, working on the Braun, the Braun Appliances brand, and arrived in Germany just before that, 2000 and, what is it, 2000 and, uh, 2000 was it 12 World Cup? When was the World Cup out there? My 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 mind is this um, <laughs> it's not working on me. But just before the World Cup in Germany, and that was just an awesome awesome time. And so been a bit of a global citizen. And really, the work I do now in digital transformation has been a bit of a journey as a marketer over time. I've always been curious and sort of poking around what's next and what's happening. I remember when, you know, social media was just bubbling up and trying to figure all that out and getting involved in Second Life and all these things that were the new things in marketing and so I I kind of wear a more of a marketing centric digital transformation hat where modern marketing is what the aim and ambition is and the effort is how we're going to get to a place where we can engage with consumers and delight them, but leverage the technology, the platforms, the processes in order to do that. But my, my, I think my super skill, my special focus area is really less about the stuff and the tech and more about the people to uh, me.
1: Sounds good. So tell us, um, how did you get to the States and from Germany before you got to this role in Campbell in, in Philadelphia?
0: My beautiful wife. So I met my wife who was actually living overseas. So we were, we were doing – we had an, um, an international um, relationship. So when we, when people tell tell their long-distance travel stories, I always kind of usurp them with my – yeah, well, actually, I was living in, um, you know, Frankfurt or Geneva at the time, and my wife was in Midwest Wisconsin. So long-distance was about eight hours on the flight.
2: <laughs> well, at least and there then, is was
1: Skype in between, right?
0: Well, no, or not at the time. FaceTime. So this is so – Actually, I think before, the, before this, we were talking about the value of technology. This is a time when we used to basically landline to or or cell phone each other at times of the day that could work. So with the advent of Insta and Twitter and Skype and all these things, you know, the world has changed so dramatically that distance isn't really an excuse to not stay connected, stay up to date and stay in time. And with the, with for me, the thing I find most uh, hilarious about how we communicate is, you know, if we wanted to communicate what's for dinner or what we're going to have or what we need, we're often sending pictures to each other. So especially in grocery stores, it's, it's brilliant. It's now impossible to not buy the right thing or not get the right brand. Right, so
1: you guys are international Instagram couple
0: yeah so we're, we're now you know we're about now my wife's american so that's the whole linkage of how how, how it got me here. she's from the midwest but we now live in philly and um we met on a business trip and you know started dating internationally and the rest is history but i i'm really um i've always worked for american companies so um in my earlier in my career so it was fascinating to kind of end up being in the u.s and then seeing the world from the u.s lens and all the things that you know US is a melting pot but also some of the 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 disconnects or the um, divergences from having been in Germany or having been in um in other cultures and I think the biggest one just I think maybe from the folks on the call is uh, on the podcast rather is the the fact that the the growth of the the discounters the Aldis and Lidl's in the US has been a huge shift and change in terms of the consumers have responded to it, but also the brands and the retailers are, you know, are struggling to compete, whereas being a Brit, I kind of grew up as a marketer with mm-hmm. Aldi and Lee, and then I lived in Germany, which is their home, con- home sure. market for three years. So for me, it's a fascinating how, the, how um, you know, innovation or change slowly comes across, but when it does, it, it's, a, it's a major disruption.
1: Okay, so let's start with Campbell Soup. For those of us who don't know so well Campbell, um, of course, it's got a very recognizable name. But tell us more about the size of the company, the types of brands you're running, and uh, how much of your business is outside of the North America.
0: Yeah, so Campbell's uh, Campbell Soup Company uh, is an uh, eight, eight and a half billion dollar um organization and it's got brands that um internationally i think some people know so the campbell's soup brand is probably the one it's most famous for mm-hmm. and it has brands in sort of what we de- describe as meals and beverages categories so it'd be prego um pasta sauce there's a swanson broth brand there's also um some beverage brands v8 really? um V8 Juice is, is another brand that we have. And the Plum Organics, which is an organic baby food brand. And then on the snack side, there's a wealth of brands from the, under the name of Pepperidge Farm, Farmhouse. Um, there is Goldfish, which is a cracker um, product. Sure. And um, a, a lot of Milano's, which is a cookie. And then for the, I think for both sides of the pond, the brand Kettle Chips is actually owned by Campbell as well. So I'm a huge Kettle Chips fan um, on both sides of the pond.
1: I had a bunch of Milano's on the plane over. Um, so listen, you are in Ch- You're the director of digital transformation at Campbell Soup, and so tell us what what does that mean to be the director of digital transformation? And how do you, how do you occupy the terrain?
0: So the focus areas there are sort of four or five or six areas, but ultimately it's to drive our uh, modern marketing capability so it's thinking about it from the digital marketing perspective and creating modern marketers by driving people capabilities is kind of a, a huge priority certainly on my plate there's some other priorities driving our um, own properties improved outcomes from them and improving our measurement and the the, the mindset and spirit of constant optimization um, linking our technology roadmap to what our our needs are as a business as well so making sure it's fit for purpose and uh, the other key focus for me right now is really embedding the consumer journey thinking throughout our efforts and our works and to ensure that the consumer experiences are we do like consumers, but really taking that consumer lens, which is easier said than done. And so, the technology for for me and for a lot of us is really an enabler to do that. So you have your multitude. I won't even get into the jargon. Multitude of different platforms: be it your data, be it your um, your media, be it your assets, be it your information. Um, and how do you pull pull that all together so you can act in real time, you can optimize, and you can test and learn? And so you and, got. And, yeah, so make you, that
1: you've got so many things you're taking care of with i mean how do you go about addressing that
0: so it's it's picking priorities and going after that. i think that for me the biggest one front of mind punching me in the face right now is this consumer journey thinking and embedding that throughout everything we do and really focusing on what does the consumer want how well do we understand them what's the mindset that they're in and then ensuring that what we do is really dr- driven by how they're thinking, feeling in that moment, and then designing solutions, designing products and services, and designing communication for them. We're kind of starting more on, here's what we have, let's improve our communication. The evolution is to actually be using that data as our driver of innovation, new products, New initiatives, new programs, and so building up that muscle is, I think, the biggest challenge we have, and a lot of organisations have, because it's shifting a way of it's shifting our way of working, shifting our way of working really to to be ready and receptive to what's what's happening, what we see, and that data now is what we should use to then decide what we're going to do next. And so pivoting, I think, for me, the, the analogy I, I would use, you know, again, I'm thinking more to like the, the work of marketers is in the often your pulling data to report out in a deck in two two weeks time now the you should be optimizing and designing your experience so that you're use, you're getting the data because you're going to actually do stuff with it and so next week you're going to get back together as a team as to to see what worked what didn't work what we what do we learn and then take different actions based on the data okay. so it's not getting data to report it it's getting data to use it to actually influence what you do.
1: With so many different players that you must be involved with, starting with your Aldi's and Walmarts and and the distribution through to the sales teams and marketing, legal and so on, How how do you manage to, A, collate the right data and how much of that challenges that? And then second of all, how do you manage that consumer messaging you were talking about with so many people participating in it?
0: this is uh, you know I, I wish i i had all the answers it's a learning experience and it's a humbling experience hmm. for me when i talk about when i think about this space digital transformation it's it's very much about capability building and capability building could be like learning new skills or optimizing resources or organizing but it's fundamentally the for me the biggest pain point is ways of working how things are done so you ask a great question how do we do that it is as it could be as simple as shifting the emphasis of why we're getting together we're getting together for 55 60 minutes not to decide the bar charts or what we're actually what does this mean what what is going on so that what's happening on the traffic to the site right now do we know that the get the buy now is work how how is the how is the page working for us what's what parts of the what content's working best for us are we serving the that content back up to consumers how fast Uh, is our page loading how much faster does it need to be before we start losing people how many people are we losing where do they go next so all of a sudden if you have an owned experience you are immersing in that so much that it's not the specialist job only to know how to do that. It's not just the search person. You've got the search person. You've got the media person. You've got the marketing technology person. You've got the marketing person. You'd have a legal. So you have a, a coalition of people who don't need to master every single item, but you certainly need collectively to have the skills and you need to get it. And so what happens now is that, you know, um, perhaps the old processes of working with um, with folks in legal would be they have their standard approval process. But if you want to push out real-time content, it could can't take two weeks to approve a tweet that's not going to work in 2019 and so a lot of the disciplines are having to shift and pivot so the the changes in in the technology is impacting not just marketing but all the other functions as well because we have to renegotiate how we work together which is a ways of working shift and it changes the power dynamic it changes the the roles and responsibilities it changes the expectation of what you're doing now and and that is all new for us as an organization for an organization and new for people as well. So if you've been doing your role for five, ten years, now you're I, I feel that the now especially more than ever, you're having to redetermine what your job is and how you do it. And the common factor is human beings. Until the robots and AI takes over, human beings have to change and change management is really, really difficult. So ways of working, people, change management is a lot of the time um, I spend my effort and my energy and it's hard, but it's fun. It's rewarding. And, um, you know, that's, that's where I spend, I think, 80% of my time right now.
1: So you have a, a boss who is presumably giving you instruction. And sometimes I'm going to have to guess you have to push back and say, boss, yes. you know, decision-making process took too long. Yes. Uh, you, I sent you an email last week. You still haven't replied. And it referred to a program that was running on Friday last week. Is that something that you do face? Because I, let me just say you well, in my experience, grey-haired and all, the mirroring of what you're trying to communicate in a customer service or customer first type of approach has to be with a style of communication internally. So that if you are wanting to be serviceable and serviable if you will towards the customer and responsive in a specific time period you need to somehow replicate that kind of spirit and time frame within the company communication
0: you hit the nail on the head one of the things which again is more there's in I've led some efforts not You know, created the program, but I've been a huge advocate of our enhanced decision making framework. And one of the key um, premises of this 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 approach, this philosophy, um, it's not just a racy with putting names in boxes. It's more about speed and decision making. And the fundamental driver of that is pushing the decision closest to the person with the data. The person with the data is supposed to make the call, um, do the, do, uh, make you know, write the sentence, make the call, make the decision, um, drive the next step and drive the action, which is fundamentally shifting how we would normally make decisions. Right? We would normally try and escalate things to the to the most senior person, and now it's pushing it down. Oh, no, who's most qualified? Who actually is the, um, the expert in? Who's the analyst? Who's the web? analyst who knows actually what consumers are doing what's the last click they're doing or what what activity they're doing so they can make the call to change the buy now button to get ingredients because we know that people at campbell they come to the site because they actually want to make a recipe well we got to focus more on helping them make a recipe versus just set, trying to sell them a product. So that is a decision that the person who's analyzing the site can call, can make and not escalate that to a, you know, a marketing director elsewhere. That's a decision they can make an action. So those are the types of thing where the real consumer-centric approach is forcing us to not be a, not to take two weeks to make a decision. It cannot be that you know something about your campaign, but you have to wait two weeks before you present it to a senior marketing leader no, you have to be able to say, we tested this. We've learned that this version is working better. We're going to optimize and go, and we're going to give you the better outcome and the results. We're not going to ask for your permission.
1: So how do you materially do that, Samuel? Uh, that's to say, how do you define the amount of delegation that you're going to have for the person at the call face?
0: It's a negotiation. So it could be as pedantic, and one of it's as pedantic as actually having documentation and capturing who's makes the decision who is an a, a advisor who is just to be informed and who owns doing the work and so we have you know some frameworks and principles but it's living into it and it's shifting work so we so what? an answer to your questions we actually going as far as documenting it specifically at a category level at a function level at a uh, role and a role level and then at a project level which can be you know quite pithy but it's it's that renegotiation and working as a team and you know I, I will use the word agile is an aspiration we're not there yet but as we see the benefits of working in a more agile way this becomes more realizable and especially when you're working with marketing in a way that is leveraging technology you you have to work in a more agile way to get a a site up and running in a shorter space of time and you know bringing a coalition of resources together those folks drive the 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 work and the timings and the outputs and the cadence of um execution so we're, we're we're renegotiating on a informal way but actually some structured efforts in more formally renegotiating and committing on paper, this is who this is the person who has the decision. And last year, it may have been, you know, three, two or three levels up. This year, it's the person with the data, and we all agree this is the person with the data. So it's change. It's uncomfortable. That I thrive in an uncomfortable environment because it means that, you know, we're, we're doing things differently. But that, for me, is the intellectual approach but also the practical approach of just getting in there and doing it and figuring it out not using our current way of working as an excuse to slow us down.
1: Samuel, in that you've been doing this now for four and a half years at Campbell, if you had a magic wand, what would you wave it at to really try to nail and accelerate towards this ideal of an agile company?
0: I, for me, the biggest wand I would wave is the real true understanding of the word capability. There's often capabilities are stuff, you know, technology or infrastructure or maybe um, certain other resources. But for me, the biggest wand I would wave is on the people and helping them be better so a lot of the work i've been doing in my space has actually been in the marketing in the marketing capability space is the power of asking and answering questions and so the approach that i love is to be able to frame what questioning in a way that allows you to sort of process the question and then your mission is to try and solve it in a better way in some cultures asking questions is seen as you know insubordination rude challenging authority um resisting being difficult but the true spirit of a great question is helping you unlock a a, a solution to growing or being better so the fundamentals of asking and asking questions in the ways of working for me is like the magic wand let how might we get there better how how, um, why why do why do consumers do what they do what are their underlying beliefs um who who's who are the consumers whose behavior we want to change and we know that they'll grow how are we how are we going to how do we know we're meeting expectations that, those are the kind of questions that for me prompt our ability to get better
1: sorry about that so um you also on your uh, linkedin profile you talk about Your desire to make remarkable learning experiences, a cultivated growth mindset as someone who's spent a lot of time in education and and this notion of learning, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what that entails.
0: Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Carol Dweck, who was a professor, who one of the leaders, thought leaders in in this growth mindset space. And it was, for me, an aha, an eye-opener when you think about the principles of growth mindset, which, um, you know, for the listeners here, it, it talks about you're probably wired in a way of, in, um, from society and other places that talent is so – you either have talent or you don't. Um, You're either smart or you're not. You're either good at something or you're not. And as you think about the growth mindset, it actually shines a light that actually effort is the path to mastery. So there's no such thing as, yes, people have skills and abilities. I'm I'm not going to outplay LeBron James at basketball. But what actually you realize is that you can learn and improve. And so if you can accept the effort, is the is the work that you need to do to improve then you're less vested on being smart or not you're more willing to well if i don't know something growth mindset says well let me ask if if, if i'm if i ask a question then i'm smarter because i will find out the answer and everyone else is smarter because they'll hear it. but if i'm if i'm the type of person i i should know this i should get this i should i should be able to do this that's a constraint and restricting so you you know you learn from your failures you 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 can learn from other people's successes so someone else does well is not a threat to you it means that every it means that success is something that you can learn from and admire and question um to improve so the growth mindset is a philosophy and and the baked into the how i've delivered that and how i've and build upon that is by focusing on being able to ask and answer great questions and, I, and i'll you know i'll talk a bit more about this for me the power of questions is you know einstein has this quote if i had an hour to solve a problem in my life depended on it i'd use the first 55 minutes determining the proper question to ask and one of the best stories i love about questions and the power of questions is uh, the story from like 10-15 years ago when aldi was entering the le mans 24-hour race and Everyone knows that to win the Le Mans race, a 20, it's a 24-hour endurance race. So you drive around and around, and whoever drives the furthest over 24 hours wins. And they've got to build a faster car. That's Everyone knows to win the race, you've got to build a faster car. Well, Audi didn't have the budget and the footprint of other companies. And how the hell are they going to build the fastest car? So they asked themselves a different question. Their question was, how could we win Le Mans if our car could go no faster than anyone else's? So how can we win if it can't go faster? And they actually concluded, well, why don't we just change the fuel to diesel? So by asking that question, they changed the fuel to diesel. And then for three years in a row, they won the race because they didn't try and make the spoilers this or t- take weight off. They just changed the fuel. Everyone – diesel ha- wasn't invented in 2006. <laughs> but everyone else is using petrol, gas. And they changed the diesel by asking that improved question. So the growth mindset is not to say, oh, we can't win. We don't have enough money. They're bigger or better than us. It's really allowing yourself to take a step back and exploring. Um, And I think that for me, the power of questions and the power of asking great propelling questions is the unlock where Audi could win when they were the new new kids on the block in a competitive industry.
1: So I love the fact that we have talked about Audi and Audi. (laughs) <laughs> um, so it, one, one last question, Samuel, which is that of all the things that are impacting Campbell's business, and I'm thinking from the external side, whether it's a change in distribution or a arrival of some technology or regulation or, you know, the broad span of, of things which are impacting business, which ones are you the most fearful of for the next few years and, and keep you up at night?
0: What keeps me up at night? I keep coming back to the same. I'm like a broken record. What keeps me up at night is the world is changing. How are we changing the work? I've determined that you cannot get any more hours in a day than 24. And so what keeps me up at night is if we're doing the same things today that we did yesterday – That's not going to cut it. So how do you transform the organizational capability? How do you just transform the resources or even the people? You know, we are powered by human beings, the great thinking, the creativity, the innovation, the the quality, the legal stuff, the market. It's all driven by people and the technology can help us. So what keeps me awake at night is that shift in ways of working, time spent how we work together to get to better outcomes and, and, I, and, and be, being trapped by the current way of working and meeting and communicating and collaborating
1: i get that what i was looking for was of the numerous exogenous elements which are the ones that you're most worried of in other words that are impacting the way you're working that are impacting your business so it could be artificial intelligence iot regulations change in distribution, What are the th- where are the zones that you feel are going to be the most preoccupying and impacting yeah, I,
0: your business? From, from the marketplace, it's the consumers have more choice and have more choices that they can action upon. And so they aren't vested in finding us on the same shelf in the same place that they've always done. There are other, chal- what we call challenger brands, getting to people more directly by finding solutions to, to their needs by coming up with propositions with different ingredients and they don't need to follow the same sort of mass retail approach to get to, to get to you and I. So every day, if I go onto Instagram, I am being bombarded with a multitude of, you know, seaweed snacks and all these other things that I don't need to discover you on a shelf. Your, those um, brands and those technologies allow my passions, my loves, my um, desires my needs to be known and identified and interjected in a in a new way earlier in the chain um, through direct coming to me directly um, you know that we've seen the growth of the meal kit type phenomenon and that's kind of plateauing and evolving but that as, the aspect of a more convenient solution portioned um And sort of that engagement of self-creation, that's disrupt how people consume and eat food. That's a disruption, but that was a partial insight driven, but also um, interacting with me in a different way. I didn't have to go to the store to buy a meal kit. Those brands were reaching me and solving my problem in my home. So what keeps me awake at night are the disruption to the traditional channels of buying things the disruption to the traditional ways of communicating to me and you know now when i go into my google and i'm typing my an email to you minter it kind of predicts what i'm going to say and what's frightening to me with the ai is that it's now getting it pretty good, so now I kind of change what i 'm going to write because the, it was going to, it was going to, it was predicting what I wanted to write so now i'm changing it so I think the inside of the technology is so smart that it knows us better than ourselves and as from a from a you know a brand or marketing perspective it means that what if I'm typing an an email and there's a message talks about, you know, you're feeling hungry and you love something, you know, lime flavored. How about this? I perhaps wouldn't resist that message now than, than, than I would a few years ago. So the way of communicating to me differently, I think is also evolving rapidly. And then voice, Um, you know, three years, five, four years ago, I think I got my, my Amazon echo three years ago. It was a fad. It was a novelty. It was a stupid idea. Now, you see the consumer, we see consumer research. I've seen consumers in the middle of being, you know, we're, we're checking their response to this brand. In the middle of it, they're saying, hey, Alexa, add, um, you know, add eggs to my grocery list. And the consumer isn't saying, oh, look, I have an Alexa. I, I, I have an Echo. I, I have an Alexa. The consumer doesn't see it as anything special. It's easier, quicker, and faster. Oh, sorry, if you can hear that. I've, <laughs> that's the challenge. Alexa's actually been triggered by my voice. Um, you know, the consumer... Alexa, stop. There (laughs) you go. Real time. We're
1: in real time. That's totally normal. I have have mine beside me, but I'm not saying the word.
0: Yeah. So the technology now is listening out and responding to you <laughs> in voice. And, and it's part of the family and part of the furniture. And that now is normal. So it's not weird or spooky or freaky. It's actually an, an extra member of family and an extra resource. So I think the it's not what keeps me awake at night. It's actually what excites me. How well do we understand what this means for how we work and how we eat and how we live and how as a marketer or as a company am i showing up in a relevant way and again it's an area that three years ago was uh, kind of that's just a sidebar now was it 30 40 percent of homes have voice um in there so it's going to be you know mainstream in the next two two and a half years that's such a rapid shift that i know many companies and many brands aren't, aren't aware um aren't aren't ready for and haven't really prioritized it so I know I've waffled on a bit, but for me, it's things like that, but also the prioritization. We're going to have to make some decisions on whether we're going to push voice up in our priority list or not. And my personal passion is, yes, we should, because it's it's something that is now ubiquitous.
1: Great. So, Samuel, this is what I've taken away from you in this uh, chat. First, uh, the power of data surrounding the customer and making the customer's information available to everybody. Second is the importance of communication uh, and the decision making process within the company. Third is digital transformation is actually only uh, or largely about people. And fourth, uh, you need to make the effort in order to learn. So those were my takeaways. Great to have you on the show, Samuel. Tell us how can uh, someone track you down, listen to what you're up to, or, or connect with you as you prefer.
0: Yeah, the best way to get hold of me is on Twitter. So at Samuel Moni, I'm pontificating and engaging and sharing and resharing inf- information and in- things that catch my eye through there. And the other best platform is on LinkedIn. So again, my name's Samuel Moni. You'll find me there sharing articles, inspiration, talking a lot of things, marketing, technology, and especially capability building, how we are all going to get better at what we do, be it in the field of marketing or other areas
1: spectacular samuel good luck with everything enjoy the summer and uh continued success at campbell soup thank you
0: so much thanks for having me
1: thanks for having listened to this recording of the minter dialogue show you'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com if you enjoyed the show please head over to itunes to give a rating and review and to finish here's a song i wrote with stephanie singer a convinced man